Contented Media presents Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto, an original podcast series with Mark Hunter and Arthur Van Pelt. Hello and welcome to Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto, the podcast that brings the sunshine, whatever the weather. My name is Mark Hunter, crypto writer and Toblerone enthusiast, and with me as usual to cover the comings and goings in the Craig Wright and BSV world this month is my ever-dependable sidekick, Arthur Van Pelt. Arthur, we're halfway through the year now. How would you sum up 2023 so far? <laughs> Hi, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, as always. Pleasure. How would you describe 2023 uh, so far? I guess it, I would call it hectic, isn't it? Mm. The climbing debt collection uh, has started. All the copyright lawsuits are uh, asking a lot of attention uh, of everybody. And even the COPA lawsuit uh, will pass the table. Mm-hmm. The McCormick Libel case costs. And they're also dealing now with an appeal there in that little lawsuit because Craig Wright uh, still wants to uh, to have a bit more than one uh, British pound. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, let's call it uh, hectic, uh, Mark. Yes, it certainly has been. We start off this busy, busy month, as always, by dancing merrily over to Lawsuit Corner, and with very good reason. Right when some of us were trying to stay awake during Craig Wright's appeal over the £1 damages award in the Peter McCormack case, more anon, elsewhere in London, something far more interesting and far-reaching was taking place. Mr Justice Meller, the judge assigned to Craig Wright's copyright cases, see our March bonus episode for more on these, was hearing arguments regarding the issues central to these cases, and indeed all the civil cases that Wright has clogged up the British legal system with since 2019. Arthur, what is this critical issue that Justice Meller was thinking about? I think that's the identity issue, uh, Mark, because basically uh, the question if Craig Wright is uh, who he claims to be, which is the inventor of uh, Bitcoin, is he or isn't he? Hmm. And this is what uh, the last decade of uh, lies and forgeries uh, has boiled down to, whether he is uh, Satoshi or not. With this issue of Wright's Satoshiness being critical in almost all his cases, the situation as it stands is that every defendant in every case has to go their own route in proving that Wright isn't Satoshi, while Wright will have to weed out the same witnesses and junk evidence to back up his claims in every case. This, as Justice Miller pointed out, is not time or cost effective for anyone, and so during a case management meeting for the COPA case on June 15th, the legal teams involved in several of Wright's UK lawsuits came together to see if they could come to a compromise. Arthur, first of all, please can you remind us of the details of the COPA case and why it's the most suitable testbed for Wright's Satoshi claims? The COPA case is actually already focusing around the question if uh, Craig Wright is uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, because as you might remember, Craig Wright was sending some uh, irritating uh, letters around to several Mm. companies, including Coinbase, and if I remember well, uh, Kraken, and Blockstream, etc., about them using uh, the Bitcoin white paper on their uh, websites. And since these parties did not properly uh, represent the fact that the Bitcoin white paper represents BSV and not BTC, Craig uh, claimed that they should all pull the Bitcoin white paper from their uh, websites. Now you have to realize, Mark, uh, that US-based Coinbase is one of the founding members of COPA, which stands for 
cryptocurrency open uh, patents alliance. Mm -hmm. And Coinbase is known for a somewhat aggressive litigation strategy. So it wouldn't surprise me that they woke up the other members of COPA and asked them to support a lawsuit against Craig Wright about uh, the question, does he even have this copyright? Mm. In other words, is Craig Wright even Satoshi Nakamoto? One proposal was that a preliminary single-issue trial be held over the identity issue ahead of the COPA trial, with the result being binding for the other court cases that also rely on Wright being Satoshi. This would involve the passing-off defendants, such as Kraken and Coinbase, being privies to the outcome of the mini-trial and being bound by the result. Wright's legal team wanted a more comprehensive ruling that covered all related cases, whether defendants agreed to take part or not, which was also favoured by the legal representatives of the Bitcoin developers in the copyright cases. Arthur, why did the Bitcoin developers want this more all-encompassing approach? CoinGeek explained this. Let's go to a quote from, uh, from CoinGeek. They say uh, Bitcoin core, but they mean just the Bitcoin developers here, uh, of course, Mark. Mm -hmm. This quote of uh, CoinGeek says... This was also favored by several of the 17 defendants in the BTC Core trial, collectively known as the developers, whose solicitor argued that they could not adequately represent their clients if they were not able to fully contribute to the COPA trial, which would be the case if they elected to be a privy and let COPA's attorneys, Bird and Bird, argue the identity issue. So... They're basically saying it's not fair on their clients if they agree to be bound by the COPA case, but they can't take part in it. Yeah, that's, that's how I interpret it, yeah. This approach wasn't favoured by the legal teams for COPA, Coinbase, Kraken, Blockstream and CoinCode, who all petitioned for a general stay in the passing off cases, pending the outcome of the full COPA trial. As a result, a hybrid solution has been agreed, which will work thus. The COPA trial will go ahead as planned on January 15th, with all other defendants except for the developers in the copyright cases being privies to that trial, meaning that their trials will be stayed pending the outcome of the COPA trial to which they will be bound. This means that if writers found to not be the author of the Bitcoin white paper, then they will likely be tossed by the judge, but if Wright is found to have authored the Bitcoin white paper, then he'll be in a very strong position in those cases. As far as the Bitcoin copyright defendants go, there will be a separate trial held at some point in the future over the identity issue, with this verdict being binding on these copyright cases. Arthur, at the moment we have this dual setup, but we might eventually see everyone bound by the COPA outcome, mightn't we? Yes, the judge pointed out that some of the Bitcoin developers in the copyright case have only been served recently and so might not be fully aware of all the facts to make an informed decision. He wants them uh, to have all the COPA material from both sides when he says that he hopes they will be sensible and agree to be bound by the COPA trial. So yes, we may not see this one-off trial happen at all. There's lots to digest here, starting with the potential outcome of the COPA trial itself. I mean, this was already an important case, but I think this just took it to a whole new level of significance, didn't it? Oh yeah, say that again. We were already focused on this case uh, as the one that will have the, uh, the biggest impact, uh, the COPA case, but now it became the mother of all Craig Wright cases in the UK. <laughs> it will literally pull the rug from under uh, him for the rest of all the UK lawsuits that he's been uh, pushing through. The thing is, anyone who knows Craig Wright knows that he will appeal. I mean, he appealed the contempt of court issue over the McCormack case to the bitter end. So 
if he loses this case, he's going to appeal it all the way to the Supreme Court, which takes years. And I can only presume the defendants would do the same if they were to lose. So we likely won't see any movement on all the other cases until one of them is defeated at the Supreme Court, will we? Yeah, that, that appears very likely, uh, unless uh, Calvin Harris putting the plug on uh, on sponsoring uh, the whole thing. Hmm. But otherwise, uh, Craig Wright is known for uh, pushing these uh, things until the very end. Hmm. So there's no way that he won't do uh, the same here when he uh, when he is losing. Mm. And I imagine that if he wins, Copa won't take this lying down and they will appeal also. Mm. So this will drag on for several years more after the verdict, uh, I expect. Nevertheless, when Copa wins early 2024, it will be a devastating blow to his remaining fans, uh, I'm quite sure. And uh, yeah, with that, uh, Craig Wright's credibility. If there's any left. Yep. <laughs> I think there was a bit of a misunderstanding when this story broke because there were lots of reports that all the parties had agreed to this one-off trial and would be pooling their resources, when in fact it seems that we're still relying on the COPA trial. It's just that the verdict will be officially binding for the others. There might be the one-off trial for the developers, but the judge seems to think that they might come round and make it a full house anyway. Who do you think this ruling ultimately benefits? Well, I think that ruling and, and finance-wise, it will benefit uh, all the parties, of course. Uh, and in the extremely unlikely chance that Craig Wright is declared Satoshi, uh, he, he will not win uh, all the other cases automatically, but it will be a massive uh, boost uh, for them. And for his opponents, uh, it is to say they can save on resources now. Uh, Escopa has already done a lot of groundwork for their case. Um, I would presume. Mm. And uh, yeah, then uh, the COPA can now split uh, the bill with uh, all the other councils of mm. uh, Coinbase, uh, Blockstream, etc., etc., who are also uh, in, in lawsuits with uh, Craig Wright. Mm-hmm. Sure. Lastly, on this one, I was surprised not to see Hodlinaut's UK uh, case on this list, given that he's going for the truth defense against Craig Wright. Any idea why that wasn't on the list? No, seriously, I have no idea, Mark. Mm. Maybe not all these councils uh, have hotlines uh, to each other or Judge Meller forgot about it or he wasn't properly informed uh, about the Hoddlenaut case. Again, we can only guess how these uh, things uh, roll. Mm. But I think I have the impression that Hoddlenaut is now going to try to have his case uh, stayed also in the, in the UK now that this is all happening with the COPA lawsuit and uh, the copyright cases. And yeah, that would make sense, of course. Yeah, it does. I can't see how his can go ahead, given that there's a ruling of such significance happening after it. That just that just can't happen. Yep. Craig Wright commented on the ruling, saying, quote, What happens when the evidence is irrefutable? Welcome to what is coming, before adding in a reply that he, quote, orchestrated the single rule issue. Of course you did, Craig. Of course you did. Stephen Matthews responded to this by saying, quote, I am aware of what CSW is referring to here. Things get really interesting now. This got the fan club very excited, with some even proposing theories as to why this treasure trove of irrefutable evidence has never yet seen the light of day, not realising just how damning their praise was. Quote, the strategy seems to be to win the smaller cases using existing lower quality evidence so as to lure in the big fish and then use new high quality evidence to win the big cases. Copa is about as big as it gets. 
When Wright replied that he'd been trying to achieve the all-encompassing ruling the whole time, the response was close to a marriage proposal. Quote, Wow, consolidating the several identity cases into one to set precedent for all cases really is fortunate. I am thankful for your brilliance, resilience and sufferance. There was more revolting sycophancy, with someone else blurting out, quote, CSW, I see everything that you have done and are doing for the people of this great blue planet and it brings me to tears. I know you don't do it for praise, profit or pride, but that doesn't mean you aren't deserving of them all. A wise man plants a tree despite knowing he may never enjoy its shade. Twat. Not everyone was convinced, however, with one of Wright's previously vocal supporters asking, quote, same evidence that lost to Space Cat? This all reminded me, as I'm sure it did many others, of Bombshell Monday from the Kleiman trial, where we were told that incontrovertible evidence of Wright's satoshiness was going to be dropped. Arthur, what did we actually get on Bombshell Monday? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was the day that we got nothing. <laughs> uh, there were several uh, things uh, being rumoured uh, online, I remember, like uh, that Craig Wright uh, would show uh, his credit card payment yeah. of the Bitcoin.org uh, website uh, in, in August 2008. But no, we, we got nothing. Zilch. They swept that under the rug pretty quickly afterwards, didn't they, I seem to remember. It was never mentioned again. Absolutely. Wright's claim of more Satoshi evidence was in fact first mooted by Calvin Eyre after Wright's defeat to Hodenort last year, when he talked of, quote, tons more evidence that was to come in the retrial. As many will undoubtedly remember, prior to this trial, Eyre had given us his famous line about the, quote, boxes of historical documents, including old versions of the white paper in Craig's handwriting and printed, and with his notes and coffee on them and rusty staples, which were pulled apart by the KPMG forensic team. After this trial, and before promising the new batch of forgeries, um, <clears throat> evidence, for the retrial, Eyre complained that the judge in the Hodlinaut case, quote, did not have the benefit of being able to see the volume of evidence I have. Maybe now we're going to finally access this reserved tank of evidence that Calvin Eyre so desperately wanted to see in the first Hodlinaut trial. What this all means is that the eyes of every interested party will most certainly now be on the COPA case in January, where we might try and do a sort of Dr. Bitcoin live show, providing a great many stars align. Staying in lawsuit corner, as I mentioned earlier, on the same day that this multi-party hearing was being thrashed out, Craig Wright's legal team was busy arguing against the £1 damages ruling that Wright received in the McCormack case last year. The hearing itself was a largely procedural affair, with Wright's camp arguing that the judge didn't have the right to reduce these damages to £1 because the, quote, deliberately false case that Wright advanced wasn't actually carried through until trial and intimated that the judge would have awarded the full compensation had Wright not lied his way through the case up to the trial. One area Wright's lawyer couldn't argue against, however, was the merits of the ruling, saying, quote, there is no challenge to any findings of fact on this appeal, nor frankly, could there be. The hearing was over in one day, with the judges set to reveal their verdict in a few months. Wright and McCormack are also locked in a battle over costs, which are in the millions of pounds, with hearings set on that matter too. Something else that's cropped up this month is just who will be representing Craig Wright in all these upcoming court cases. We've become used to seeing Ontier prostrate itself at the opening of Calvin Eyre's checkbook and peddling Wright's lies as a result, but as we hinted in the fallout from the McCormack trial, all was not well between the pair. And Arthur, we got a pretty clinical confirmation of this this month, didn't we? 
Yeah, Ontier has been replaced by several other councils in all the lawsuits that they were doing for him. Not one or two, not some, but all of them. Hmm. In most of the cases, they have been replaced by a new firm, Travis Smith, if I remember well. Uh, so now there's another uh, law firm whose reputation is about <laughs> to go down the pan. <laughs> Almost certainly. What's your read as to why this divorce has happened? Who do you think has had enough of who here? Yeah, that's that's another good question. It's something that we cannot see because we cannot uh, see what is happening in all those uh, boardrooms uh, in, in, in the background. So we can only guess. Mm-hmm. And even then, we will probably never know uh, the reason, as long as not uh, anyone involved uh, is saying uh, something about it. But Calvin has been unhappy with them uh, for a few months now. He has even called them out on uh, Twitter a few times, I remember. Mm -hmm. So either Calvin has fired them, or they are no longer willing to represent uh, Craig Wright, having had uh, their reputation uh, being destroyed in the years that uh, they have been uh, representing him. Mm. And given how bad things have gotten, I'm amazed that they uh, have carried on uh, this long, uh, to be honest. Mm. And there's also an, uh, another possible reason. What I saw on, on, on Twitter, somebody mentioned uh, something. The user is called MyBrainHZ. He pointed in a tweet on June the 14th. He said, it was possibly that the law society stepped in I questioned them whether there were conflicts of interest as Ontier are also stated as investors in other end-chain associated ventures. They probably withdrew. That's possible. Uh, yeah, makes sense. But again, it, 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 keeps, it keeps on being uh, guesswork. So what of Travis Smith and the man tasked with carrying out Craig Wright's attempted crypto assassination? Hugh Jenkin is a partner at Travis Smith and is big on civil fraud, claiming on the firm's website that he acts for, quote, individuals and firms in relation to FCA investigations and enforcement actions and other regulatory and internal investigations. Should fit right in. We stay in Lawsuit Corner for a bit of insight we gleaned from Calvin Eyre over his thoughts on Wright's court cases. Eyre was being interviewed ahead of the BSV blockchain conference this month when he let slip that he's not exactly 100% behind Wright's philosophy. The other thing that has been going on this year a lot is uh, Dr. Craig Wright's court cases. You're a huge uh, supporter of his on social media and everything. Oh yeah, on social media. I'm not a fan of all his court cases. I actually wish that uh, uh, there was a lot less of that and a lot more focus on business. Well, I think we just have a difference in timing because I actually just don't think that all that stuff needs to be proven right now. I think uh, we could have proven and are proving with all the stuff that we're doing that the business cases are there. And then we could have sorted out the law a little bit farther down the road. But you know what I mean? Craig marches to his own drummer. So if uh, he's going to go ahead with something, of course, I'm still going to support the guy. I don't have to agree with him to still be, uh, you know, have his back. Arthur, this is interesting because it shows that Calvin Eyre is completely powerless to stop Craig Wright doing what he wants to do. We've suspected for some time that Wright is just using Eyre to get what he wants, but there was at least the thought that Eyre was supportive of what Wright was doing. But here we find out for the first time that he doesn't even believe in the approach that he's paying tens or maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for. He must feel like he's been mugged. Well, that was indeed an interesting revelation of uh, Calvin Air. He wished there were no lawsuits, is what he is saying, because it is about the technology of BSV. 
And there's a few things to unwrap here. And we know that from the very beginning, this was about him getting rich. And he is not getting rich from the lawsuits, I can tell you. <laughs> but I don't get uh, the sense that uh, Kelvin is feeling that he is being uh, mugged here. Not by Craig Wright, I mean, by the Bitcoin boogeyman out there, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> things got even better when the interviewer, Charles Miller, asked a question about money. I mean, you've been in this world for for quite a few years now, and you've obviously spent a lot of money supporting it. Were you expecting that there would have been some more returns on your investment by this stage? Or where do you see those returns coming from eventually? I thought that uh, it would be a lot easier than it's turned out to be to explain to people why this technology is valuable. But that's because I didn't realize how much money people that don't want this technology are willing to spend to suppress it. And that was the thing I didn't take seriously. Um, but you know what I mean? I'm in this game. I'm uh, looking at this as kind of like my last sort of big fun project. I'm, I'm having fun and uh, um, I think we're winning. So, <laughs> Arthur, that is not the sound of a man having fun. I'm sorry. Nay, indeed. Kelvin is uh, thinking that his uh, project is being suppressed by uh, external forces, but is still winning anyway. <laughs> He's laughing like, as we call it here in uh, in Holland, like a farmer with a toothache. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he, either he is in, in in full denial, which probably makes the most sense uh, from a BSV fan uh, like him. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it is also, to me at least, inconceivable that he doesn't know what is really going on. And I have hard times understanding these dynamics, uh, Mark. I always did, and I'm still in that uh, position. You are not alone. I don't think anyone knows what he really believes anymore. I don't even think he knows. Yep. The comment about timing is interesting too. He was sold on the idea that by now, eight years after he gave Wright that $15 million bailout and set up Enchain, that he will be rolling in money thanks to these Satoshi patents. And yet instead, he's shelling out all this cash week after week, as well as wasting his time on Twitter trying to get someone to notice BSV. But he can't do anything about it except write more checks in hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the other hand, I, I think he's also clearly keeping up uh, some appearances, uh, I think. Mm -hmm. Because when he says that he is having fun and we are winning, BSV <laughs> in this, uh, this case. But yeah, the name, but not, I'm not even sure by what metric he thinks that BSV is uh, winning, but the idea of Craig Wright selling uh, billions of dollars worth of uh, patents that uh, Kelvin signed up to in uh, 2015, that story is a million miles from uh, what he is forced to uh, endure now. Hmm. So they are worlds apart, uh, really. Also, this idea of people spending money, equal amounts of money as him, apparently, to suppress BSV technology, it's just laughable. No one is standing in their way if they want to try and get enterprises and governments to use their tech, but they're just not doing it. It's a free market. They can approach who they want, but no one is biting. They've been promising the Terranode for years, but that's entirely their own fault that that's not in place yet. They had the deal with Tuvalu that's just gone nowhere. Um, Enchain has more blockchain patents than anyone else in the universe, and yet they still can't find anyone that will touch them. I mean, that's not down to MasterCard. That's not down to people hacking Wright's computers every week for the last 15 years. That's not down to COPA suing Craig Wright. 
that's down to their own mismanagement and the whims of a capital market system. This idea that other people are to blame for keeping the BSV technology down, and the price if Calvin Air is to be believed elsewhere, it's just a way of deflecting blame towards these mystical imaginary forces, isn't it? Yeah, I cannot think uh, otherwise, Mark. All the conspiracy theories that uh, the BSV camp uh, have come up so far with, I, I really don't see them happen. And like you said, it is their own mismanagement that makes uh, things uh, around BSV uh, going down the drain. Talking of the price, how has it fared this month after its rocket ship to $43 last month? More of the same? Uh, well, the funny thing is, BSV tanked to a new all-time low after that, <laughs> something around $15 or 0. Three zeros and then a six BTC, but then there was another pump to around $38 or 0.0012 BTC. And the most recent news is, is that it is even pumping further today, the 30th of, uh, of June. We are now uh, approaching a level of 0.0014 BTC, well, which is a quite extraordinary pump for, uh, for uh, BSV. And, and they do that uh, as if they are lifting on a pump of um, BCH, because BCH is even pumping harder. It's gone crazy. Yeah, to be fair, I have no idea what's going on there no. and why it is uh, happening with only those two, yeah, I call them uh, affinity frauds, uh, Bitcoin uh, knockoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I only report what I see and sometimes I have a lucky call uh, when I think that BSV is uh, going. This was not uh, my most lucky call uh, recently because I did not foresee uh, these pumps in these uh, orders. <laughs> most of my calls are BSV is going down because that's what they're doing for, for <laughs> many years already. And yeah, let, let's be honest, this will come down again someday also. These are yeah the last let's call it uh, death grasps of, uh, yeah, of, of, of dying altcoins. Before we leave Lawsuit Corner, do we have any updates on how your friend Crypto Devil is handling his uh, defamation lawsuit? The latest news is that uh, Crypto Devil never heard anything from uh, Ontier anymore. He's quite open about it. <laughs> Just a bit. No, yeah, some people would say that it is a bit stupid of him uh, to uh, to tell everything in uh, in public. But on the other hand, I can I can appreciate it uh, that he is open what he is doing. He opened up about uh, the material that he received. He was open about the replies. He did a public reply. He did a private reply in email that uh, was also published on uh, on Twitter. Uh, and now he is in the stage of uh, sending them, I think every week or every two weeks, he is sending them a reminder. <laughs> are you going to do something or uh, are you not going to do uh, something anymore? Because Ontier is, is completely, completely silent uh, to him. That's funny. The least I can say that is very unprofessional because first they threaten him with a libel lawsuit. He responds and then it is nothing more than just fair to expect that a professional organization, a professional lawyer organization should at least say, we dropped the case, you are right, we won't do anything at the moment, or we will discuss with our client and you will hear uh, from us in uh, two weeks or something. Mm -hmm. Just say something, but they just keep quiet. And that is so unprofessional. Leaving Lawsuit Corner, but staying with Crypto Devil, we learned something this month regarding a $54 million tax rebate that Craig Wright said publicly in 2015 that one of his companies, De Morgan, was in line to receive. 
This was right at the time when he was negotiating the famous $15 million bailout with Calvin Eyre, and Wright's timely receipt of this rebate ensured that an extra $8 million came his way as part of the deal. Arthur, what did Crypto Devil uncover about this? He figured out that Calvin Air was not only uh, defrauded by a fake uh, paper wallet, which we knew already for a while, but he was also fooled in other ways uh, to lure uh, him into the 15 million bailout in, uh, in, in early 2015. That, that process started around April and it came to a uh, bailout contract in June 2015. Mostly it was Crypto Devil bringing up the option that, hey, it looks like that this whole 54 million Reblade claim was only a press release by Craig Wright. And actually, is there any proof? Did he ever get any penny of it? Was it ever really granted? Did he even uh, submit uh, that stuff to the Australian government? And uh, as it looks now, it is at least very, very questionable. And um, it looks like that he made it up back then in the same period that when he needed the bailout as a kind of extra let's call it collateral for Kelvin Air to get him over the line Kelvin I don't only have a paper wallet of uh, 20 million it was worthless but it pretended to be around 20 million dollars in in bitcoin in the one the one fixed address we know the story of course already that claim from the Australian government that he would get uh, tax returns in the order of 54 million Australian dollars. It appears to be completely fake and made up. Crypto Devil says he was researching the alleged $54 million payout when he realised that there was nothing more than a press release put out by Wright regarding the imminent award, which was picked up by a local newspaper, which interviewed him over it. CryptoDevil checked all the relevant evidence from Wright's court cases, including Australian tax office reports and interviews, and nowhere was there any mention of a potential $54 million rebate, not before, not during, and not after. In fact, Wright was on the verge of receiving his first multi-million dollar tax fraud penalty from the ATO at this time, so the likelihood that they had at the same time granted him such a huge rebate is almost laughable. It certainly never arrived, and yet Wright was able to use its alleged imminent arrival to con another $8 million out of Calvin Eyre, who can now add that to the lost money in the one fix wallet, which was supposed to be Wright's loan collateral. What did the BSV fan club make of this? Over on the virtual wasteland that is the BSV Reddit page, one asked, quote, shouldn't the moderator ban this kind of BS? Immediately, please while another replied, quote, This just goes to illustrate how far the opposition is willing to go to stop Bitcoin, but also how desperate they are after witnessing this great event in London. When someone actually asked members of the forum to debunk it, nobody even attempted to. Kel surprise. What this person was referring to, of course, was the much-vaunted BSV blockchain event that took place in London a few weeks ago, one that, if you believe the marketing and the shameless, relentless shilling from the paid respondents on Twitter, was set to revolutionise the world. Arthur, Calvin Eyre said a day or so before the event started that they were, quote, way oversubscribed, unquote, but there's a good reason for this, isn't there? Yeah, well, we, we cannot check the numbers that Calvin is uh, referring to, uh, of course, but what we can say is that at first, at the start of, the, of this year, 2023, the whole London event had a ticket price of, if I remember well, 750 uh, British pounds and 300 for the discounted uh, ticket. But then they dropped that to 
Again, I'm doing this by head. I think 350 British pounds and 150 British pounds. And as far as I can see, they still didn't sell any tickets because <laughs> at some point they made a completely free event in, in, in every tier. And then the actual event happened. And what we noticed from the images that people put online uh, during the days is that the event was not packed, not packed at all. And also the online engagement was, well, <laughs> I would call it uh, abysmal mm. uh, because I, I hardly saw any numbers above uh, 100 uh, online viewers for, uh, for the several sessions that they, uh, that they put online. Can you imagine paying £750 for that and two weeks later it's free? I'd be livid. I'd want my money back, to be honest. I think they didn't even sell uh, a ticket. And maybe they did, and then they refunded uh, those people. But we never heard stories about that. But mm -hmm. I can imagine that uh, the people who paid, they, they, they get a refund. You'd hope so. Sounds, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, we also got some wild claims from Calvin Air that something like is it 9,000 people had crossed the threshold into the event. But, I mean, this was pretty quickly debunked, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. I noticed that several people were making jokes uh, about let's uh, subscribe online and uh, make it appear as if everybody's coming to that event and maybe uh, hundreds or even a few thousand people uh, worked uh, together with that joke. But in reality, someone asked uh, the venue management, I remember, and they declared that probably over the three days in total, only around two and a half thousand people per day showed up uh, in real life. And thinking those might have been different people, we cannot be sure, but probably they aren't because some people will just show up every day. But let's pretend that it are all different people. Then, uh, then I I get to a total of seven and a half thousand different people that have showed up uh, to this uh, event. And again, the online engagement was way, 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 way less. It's not just the BSV price that's been collapsing this month. Some of its best-known apps have been feeling the pinch too. Money Button, beloved of BSV shills such as Joshua, please let me back in the house, I promise I'll get paid in cash from now on, Hensley, announced a, quote, pivot, which necessitates the complete and permanent shutdown of the entire system. The attempted spin was something to behold, with the project blaming the, quote, phenomenal products in the wallet and payment space on BSV that have emerged in recent months as the reason for their need to abandon their product. That's one way of saying you're shit. This closure had a knock-on effect with another application, MyPayMail, also forced to pack up and go home due to, quote, substantial changes in the product brought about by the closure of MoneyButton. It wasn't just MoneyButton either. BSV-based social media platform Twitch was accused of losing a user's BSV following a wallet synchronization, which led to others reporting the same issues. The same user claimed that Twitch is, quote, fucked up, don't work half the time, and said that the team behind the project, quote, need to get their shit together. On a related note, we finally saw some BSV users question the merits of the famous Pac-Man chart. Arthur, what is this Pac-Man chart and why do BSVers love it so much? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a funny one. We know it well. <laughs> Yes, we see we see it uh, uh, roughly a handful of times a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Well, it's it's 
it's a chart. It's a pie formed uh, chart that is uh, comparing the number of blockchain transactions between the bigger blockchain uh, projects, and then these numbers are projected into a pie, like like a pizza is divided in in pizza slices. Mm -hmm. Now, the larger the number of transactions, then the larger the piece of the pie is. Uh, for example, in this case, for for BSV. So I think everybody can visualize that uh, for a bit. Now, and since Kelvin Air's uh, circle jerks are working well sometimes, and they really are circle jerks, that is when he is uh, throwing transactions between his entities that he sponsors and Tao, or another miner, because most of the mining is uh, done by uh, Kelvin Air related uh, mining companies. Tao is uh, the biggest one. There's also QDLNK. And there's, of course, uh, Gorilla Pool of uh, Kurt Wuckert. But yeah, Kurt Wuckert is also on the payroll of Calvin Air on, on CoinGeek. So it's, it's, it's all one small circle where it is all happening. Mm -hmm. So anyway, then, then we see that BSV is making a lot of uh, transactions. But yeah, it is just a ping pong between uh, two addresses that is controlled by Calvin uh, Air or his, uh, or his people. Now, and then the pie chart on some website, which is an independent website, but yeah, they just record uh, the transactions from several blockchains. Then this pie chart is showing a large piece of the pie in the color of BSV. And then it looks like that it is eating, like a Pac-Man, it is eating the rest of the blockchain project, eh? like Pac-Man is doing it in the Pac-Man game. Mm -hmm. That's why it's called uh, the Pac-Man chart. Good explanation. Lovely visuals. Um, the supporter in question asked why the chart never remains solidly in favour of BSV and why the proportion of BSV transactions jumps up and down in relation to other blockchains, which remain steady. There's a pretty simple answer to this, isn't there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because these pie charts where the BSV Pac-Man is sometimes eating the rest of the blockchain projects, the, the, the circle jerks behind them are always uh, short-lived and I mean they only pump these transactions on uh, on the BSV blockchain for a short while sometimes only hours sometimes a few days mm -hmm. they're always yeah some sort of test transactions so they don't keep up uh, very long uh, it, but it always ends up that uh, it is uh, fizzling out and then the total BSV transactions uh, return to uh, like um, yeah what it is uh, normal can be 100,000, can be uh, 150,000, sometimes a few million, but then some, some, someone is testing somewhere again. But uh, the factual thing about the BSV transactions is if you take out all the test transactions and you only look at the genuine transactions that are going on, it's only a few thousand, probably less than half of the Bitcoin uh, transactions. And with Bitcoin, I mean the real thing, uh, BTC. We got a perfect example of this in May when the number of transactions spiked from 5 million per day to over 55 million in just 48 hours before dropping right back down the next day. Of this 55 million, 48 million were down to one app, TimeSeal, which has otherwise been solidly at zero. In fact, since June 20th, the number of transactions taking place on the BSV blockchain has been typically less than 63,000. At the same time, however, mining fee generation has spiked to one of the highest values this year. Arthur, what does this tell us? Well, yeah, this tells us that uh, every now and then they uh, set up uh, digital uh, gapping guns and uh, then they start firing a lot of transactions uh, between those two addresses that I uh, mentioned earlier. 
And uh, that's what we have seen happening uh, for over a handful of times now in the last uh, few years, Mark. And in other words, it's all fake. This is not genuine adoption. Well, the BSV camp, many of them think that uh, that it is real adoption, but it isn't. The, the BSV fans are being bamboozled uh, each and every time. That's it for this month's update. Just some forewarning, Arthur and I will be taking a much needed break in August, so we'll be here for July's monthly episode and then you won't hear from us again until we reconvene in September for the second Hodenort trial in Norway. However, as a parting gift, next month's bonus episode, which will be free for everyone, will be our second Ask Arthur Anything, where you can throw your Bitcoin or Craig Wright related questions at Arthur, or me if you prefer, and we'll do our best to answer them. Just drop us a DM through our Twitter handle, at DrBitcoinPod, or email us at DrBitcoinPod at gmail.com. That's drbitcoinpod at gmail.com, and we'll do our best to get your question answered. Please let us know if you'd like us to keep you anonymous or use a pseudonym, otherwise we'll call you whatever the hell we like. Arthur, thank you as always for your company and your insight. You're welcome, Mark. It's a pleasure as always. Indeed, and I shall see you next month. Yes, sir. (laughs) Cheers, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to get these episodes the moment they drop. And if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd really appreciate a star rating and even a review to help us get this out to as many people as possible. Our monthly bonus episodes are available to download from our website for a small consideration. And if you'd like to access all these bonus episodes, plus these monthly updates a few days early and other goodies, you can do so by becoming a Dr. Bitcoin supporter through Patreon or Spotify. See the details in the show notes for information on how to do this, or head to our website, drbitcoinpod.com. That's drbitcoinpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at drbitcoinpod, and you can email us at drbitcoinpod at gmail.com. That's drbitcoinpod at gmail.com. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. You've been listening to Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. Written by Mark Hunter, with additional material by Arthur Van Pelt. Editing and production by Mark Hunter. This has been a Contented Media Production.